dare I say the bulls are in control of this market? They bought the dip yesterday. They bought Boeing. Tesla going up after their earnings service now. Finds buyers after a big dip. We got some airline earnings. And if you want to talk about a monster buyback, Chevron Corporation, $75 billion. Holy smokes. Let's talk about that. We got some numbers coming up, some economic data at 8.30. Maybe that will throw a, a monkey wrench in the rally. Rocky Horner is going to join us too. Folks, let's get to the earnings. Let's get to this rally and let's try and figure out where this market's going today. Pre-market prep. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I'm bidding a penny. I'd buy that stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. All right, traders and investors, let's take a look at the S&P 500 index futures up 23 handles, 4055, not much of a dip off that triple triple closing price area. Let's just call it the 4034. Took out Monday's high. That's a good thing. You want daily resistance? Well, I don't have any for you. Uh the buck, the buck is up 17.9 cents at 101.59 and a half. Let's call the bonds down. Uh not much, quarter point. 130 and 20 30 seconds kind of a quiet day in the bonds uh crew didn't like being under 80 bucks uh up a buck 30 we got that target on the upside of three highs right at the 8260 area uh gold backing off down 580 1936.9 still having a good run hanging up near the highs of the move silver that's basically flat at 2393 really can't get over that 24 hump and bitcoin back in the 23 handle uh we're up 225 dollars 23,330 let's bring in triple d and mitch and uh man nice comeback yesterday in the market you can't you can't deny man the buy the dippers are out there relentless relentless buying the dip joel and yes it was predictable that after we saw the dip buy in microsoft remember right. again all the market is is taking the information we get and making more conclusions and looking at relationships so it was very predictable that all the major earnings would get bought if they dipped at all last night after the major microsoft dip buy that we saw in the afternoon so, yes, you saw the dip, the slight dip in Tesla get bought last night. Tweeted that out beforehand. But, you know, stocks like ServiceNow were down $40. Buy the dip. But too much money on the sidelines. Too many bearish uh, views, including myself. I've been bearish, obviously, as well. And you know what? The bulls are winning. All right, let's get Silence into the on action. That, Mitch. Mitch, Mitch doesn't know what to say because he's been one of those bears too. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 just put it this way. I, I'm still in the camp. I'm still in the camp. Looks like Dennis is starting to light the fire, but I can't blame him either. I just trade what mine. I see. I'm trading yeah. biased long. I'm still lots of cash in the long-term portfolio because I'm trying to make a long-term call there. But appear, apparently the cash right now, apparently I should just went all in January 1st in the seasonality and forgot about it. That would have worked out well. <laughs> <laughs> 
Unfortunately, right. I did not do that. Well, let's talk, of course, about the stock that at least kept things, at least bouncing back, charging forward. Let's talk about Tesla Q4 EPS coming in at $1.19, beat the $1.13 estimate. Sales at $24.32 billion, beat the $24.16 billion estimate. Tesla's report Q4 total production up 44% year over year, reported Q4 total deliveries up 31% year over year. And then uh, automotive revenues were up 33% year over year. Uh, Tesla did say it expects to see above 20% automotive margins and 47,000 average selling price. The numbers were fine here. We knew and we said it on this show that he's not going to talk his stock down. He's not going to like, oh, we see soft demand. It's not his style. Mm-hmm. So you knew the guidance was probably going to be fine, even if he saw, you know, he'd find the silver lining to talk, um, to talk the stock up. So that's Musk. He's not sitting there conservative. He's always aggressive. Um, so I was confident that the guidance is going to be fine too. Yes, I did stay my Rivian. I have sold a piece of it. Um, I wish I would have sold it all. Sold it all, obviously. Um, Tesla 150 price target is hit as well. So obviously we said this was 125. Thought the road to 150 was there. It does hit that road here this morning. Through it, though, breaking out 154. I'm not chasing in this environment. Again, this is, again, and I know people keep doing this, but again, this is not the environment to chase stocks in because it seems like when we get another pullback, we just keep ripping and then we keep dipping and then we keep ripping and then we keep dipping. Definitely the trend is higher, but there's been so many dips to buy, including yesterday morning, that I don't think there's a reason to chase. I think you're, I don't know what there's going to be. Maybe it's just going to rip forever and we're just going to go straight back to 410, then 420. I do think there's room to 410. I fully think the bulls are in control here right now. But I'm not buying rips. I'm buying dips. Uh, nice moving Tesla here. Uh, taking out uh, the pair of highs at uh, 146.50 area. So it's a little bit easier for me to give you support here. I'd love to see a 8-9 pull, point pullback. Maybe not today, but over the next couple days. Um, on the upside, uh, you just spiked to just a little over one. Uh, no, right to 155.95. So 156. If you're looking for a target based on the pre-market trading, um, I just, you know, when I just glance at this this chart, this daily, I'm gonna make it a little bigger. 161, 160, 161. That was there was three highs in a row in that area, and then that's before you had the big dip. So I don't know. I mean, that's that's. To me, that's the next logical stopping point for it. But for, first things first, let's take out that uh, that pre-market high of 156. And, All right. Uh, so Don wanted- and Dave, so Tesla, so goes the market. Absolutely, when you're getting only one major earnings report on a night, it's going to drive the bus. There's absolutely no doubt. The Tesla earnings, it was stock, basically kind of sat down there for a couple hours, really, yeah. after the report. We chopped around a bit. But then we started on the conference call as what drove it. He came out of the conference call, was full-on bullish. It was a bullish conference call, which is, again, predictable. The guy that's in the conference call, he knew and must starts talking. He's not conservative. He's not going to talk like, oh, yeah, it's not going that well, even if it isn't going that well. And, you know, his bullish talk, because algos take everything at face value, his bullish talk drove this price. And once Tesla started going after 6 o'clock, the S&P started going as well. So absolutely Tesla driving the bus, just like Microsoft drove the bus yes, yesterday. Yeah. Tesla driving the bus here today. I know there's a hundred other companies that reported, but it's Tesla that everyone is focused on. Right. All right. Uh, Let me get 
Go ahead. I got some comments here from Gene Munster, managing partner at Deep Water Management. Of course, covers Tesla consistently. So I think if anything, he'll definitely catch the important uh, moments in the call. He talked about the essence of the guidance call for 50% delivery growth this year ahead of the street's 37% target. Gross margins uh, X credits above 20% compared to the concerns of many investors that they would dip into the high teens. Of course, these concerns came from when you started seeing the vehicle prices coming down, right? Um, he gave three uh, reasons that were really important that could push Tesla well positioned to keep going forward. He said if Tesla meets the internal delivery target for 2023, they increase delivery growth from 40% in 2022 to 50% in 2023. Expect 2023 gross margins above that 20%, higher than the feared. And then Cybertruck is on track to start deliveries later this year, along with hints of new models. I will give you guys that article if you guys want to read a little bit deeper into Deep Water Management's outlook into Tesla there. Also going to share that with us. Gene Munzer always comes on and gives us some good information. So I wanted to share that with you guys. I mean, Joel, technicals on this just quickly on Tesla again, because we're breaking out through the critical 150 that we talked about. We're 154 here in the pre-market. Where are we heading? Like, do you have? I mean, you know, I, level, I mean, short, short, short. Yeah, I'm just gonna stick with that 160. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's there's three high. I mean, that's nothing. That's five points from here, right? And there's three highs in that area. Um, it's already now. You just have to remember the straddle was around 12 bucks, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, as our buddy uh, um, CC tells us, a lot of times that you know the those ranges can put a cap on it. So 156 is the, to me is the roadblock between here and 160, 161. There's three highs in that area. And as I stated on the downside here, if you're not a chaser and you're looking at old resistance, new support, pair of highs at 146.50. So you look for that for support. I mean, longer term, I mean, if you want to get on the super bullish uh, Tesla train, Right, four four. I'm not even gonna figure the retracement. You know, four forty down to a hundred. There's so many retracements that you know <laughs> that you could draw before you even get to the fifty percent retracement. Does it have the uh, the tank and the you know uh, gas in the tank? Something like your Netflix. You know, I mean, it's still moseying its way back up. I don't think it ever got to as low of Tesla has got to a low, um, yeah. you know, as a valuation point, but. I mean, at this point, and we've discussed this, Dennis, over the years. I mean, yeah, these stocks went down really hard, but a lot of times when they rebound. So that's it. That's just a, my target for today it, or the next couple of days is one. still in massively oversold conditions. So, yeah. I mean, these stocks can do some stuff. It's not out of the realm of possibility that Tesla could see $200 against. Not out of the realm of possibility. No, not at all. Now, I'm not saying it's going there today. I'm not saying it's going there tomorrow. And I'm not saying I'm chasing it here. But I'm saying on dips here. The bulls are in control here on Tesla. So you've got to respect that. People still asking. Yes, I'm still long Rivian. Um, I said $20 is my target. 1935. Getting close to that right now. Um, I don't know. We'll see. I kind of like to see a hold on to that one. Yeah, no you know? long term idea. We got to have yeah. some. It, well, it's a swing, but you know what? You can turn <laughs> swing. And again, I, I'm not a big believer in valuation on Rivian long, long term. But right now, I'm not going to argue with the trend. The trend has turned on all these growthy stocks. Look, yesterday, like we were going to, you know, take the trend out and they were going to go down and they just bought the dip on them all again. So, I mean, you can't argue with what's happening. The money managers are sitting there 
too much cash. They're buying every dip possible. Look at ServiceNow from last night here, Joel. Yeah, let's do that. Another example. ServiceNow, at one point in time, was down almost $50 on their earnings report. And it's come all the way back before the market's even opened. So NOW, if you look, go down, tick like 407 which will put it down $41. It's now down 6 I mean, obvious what's happening. People are sitting here underneath demand on everything growthy because they're underweight all that stuff from last year from selling it all at the bottom. And they're looking to reallocate money into tech and into growth. I don't know when it changes. This January effect has been going on for four weeks now, but it continues. So we can't argue with it. All right, ServiceNow came in with an EPS of $2.28, beat the $2.02 estimate, sales of $1.94 billion in line. They do see Q1 subscription revenues at $1.99 billion to $2 billion, up 22 to 25% year over year. When I look into this earnings report, it doesn't look bad. So I don't know why they hit it in the first place. And and that's how uh, another thing that I've been seeing is that some of these earnings reports – they're not even bad, and then they still get a hit, but then climb it right back. So earnings reports right now, very hard to get a read on particularly which way the stock's going to react. It, it, it's a, let's go right back to the January effect on all these things. They don't like any of the winners from last year. They like all the losers from last year. And IBM is a good example as well. People are like, do I buy the dip on IBM? I would say no. You know why? Because IBM was a winner last year. There isn't the bag holder sitting in IBM. IBM was actually up on the year. So it was the rally to value. Right now, just as much as all year the relentless growth to value trade happened, in in 2023, we are seeing value to growth. You know, look at where Deer is. Look at where Deer is. Not participating in the rallies. Why is that? Because it's a value stock. It's got the lower PE. That's the stuff that they don't want right now. I do believe eventually we'll switch back. But right now, we can't argue with what's happening. IBM is like lower PE, value type name, NOW, higher PE, growth type name. The rotation is from value to growth right now. If you're buying the IBM dip, you are fighting the rotation. So again, I don't know a year or you know a month from now, two months from now, maybe we're talking you know, a completely different story. But in the market that we are in right now, growth is outperforming value and they are selling value stocks and they are buying growth. Nice rebound service now. What can we do? Can we get uh, unchanged? Close near the high of the session. So a lot of people got jammed on that print. So they'd like to see that close at 448.77, right up there near the high of the day. A little roadblock here. Your rebound, you know, all the early buy the dippers here. Let some stock go at 445. So those are your two levels on the upside. And you just have to do a reset now. Um, on the dailies, I don't even know if you're going to get a look at yesterday's low at uh, 27.28. So, yeah, you missed the buy the dip opportunity, uh, at least for now. Um, resistance a little bit easier, a little more well-defined than the support in this one. But uh, nice rebound for service now. All right. Just to give the IBM numbers, we already kind of talked about it, but adjusted EPS, $3.60 in line, sales $16.69 billion, beat the $16.4 billion estimate. IBM for 23 expects $10.5 billion in consolidated free cash flow. Uh, IBM tried doing the layoff, right? They did layoffs 3,900 uh, workers as a result of a spinoff in healthcare data analytics business diverse uh, divestor. So there you guys see it. IBM, 
I still like that monthly chart, but right now, value not in favor. Value is not in favor. Start with the top-down approach when you're trading. I don't know. The investing is a different story right now. Maybe you're going to be happy to buy some of these value stocks. Like I said, I have been buying a couple of value stocks on the dips for the long-term portfolio. Those are multiple-year time horizons. But I would say from a trading perspective, I'm buying dip on growth. I'm selling rip on value because that is what is in front of me. That is what is working. That is what is paying the bills at this moment in time. I don't know where you buy the dip in this one. I mean, after that, it's rip, value. Yeah. First of all, I don't want to buy the dip. So, right. I, right. I mean, I, you've got to be cautious. You could say 137. Maybe they're going to buy the dip in IBM mm. too, but this isn't the kind of stock they're buying the dip on. Uh, well, first of all, all those buyers at 140 are shaking their head now. So that's going to be made when you have that many lows in the same area, then you crack through it. That's going to be some long-term resistance there at 140. And for me today, just the first stopping point would be, uh, this 135 area. There's an area of, uh, of three lows, right? You know, 134, 135. So that would be the first target um, on the downside. And then you could just figure a, re, uh, a retracement on this one. And you could, if you just want to be patient in this one on the short side, I mean, why not get back, you know, half of the move, uh, 15, let's just call it a 40-point move. Oh, that takes you back up. That takes you right to that 135 area too. So just short term, yeah, high of the move, 153.21. So first stopping point on downside for me, IBM 135. And if it gets anywhere near 140, I think it's going to be littered with offers. All right, let's keep going. Let's go to Las Vegas Sands. Not really Las Vegas Sands. Should be called Macau Sands, but... We won't get into all that. Uh, EPS loss of 19 cent missed the loss of 9 cent estimate. Sales of 1.12 billion missed the 1.18 billion estimate. What do you guys feel about the casinos? They've been in favor for a while. Again, massively oversold. They had the October rally start, and they have not looked back ever since. So these kind of are like in-betweeners because – you know, they, they had a little bit of a rough 2022, but they were coming back towards the end. But, you know, again, these stocks, they've continued to buy. What they don't like right now is the flat-out stocks that outperformed in 2023. Maybe, you know, you still got the Exxon, the Chevrons, because, wow, what a buyback in Chevron. We'll get to that in a minute. But unbelievable, these uh, casinos, these things have rallied so much now. When, end of October, was 53, it's 102. It's up 100% in two months. Can't argue. Wow. There's been some impressive moves off these lows. Las Vegas Sands basically doubled as well. $30, up to almost $60 here now. Impressive moves. Earnings fine. People still doing stuff. Recession's not imminent, I'll tell you that much. Uh, the Tillman Fertitta rally, uh, he's kicked it off and win. I, I know I mentioned that, but um, just going back to mm-hmm. when, I can I can look at the chart. and uh, I believe it, it might have been on this day right here, uh, back in late October, old Tillman. Uh, mentioned it, uh, the you know he bought a bunch. He's of killing it. <laughs> never looked back, man. Ne- He's never killing it. <laughs> never a gap fade. I think the analysts helped him out a little bit on that one. Uh, Las Vegas Sands. Let's just take. We did back off the pre market high, so you got some heavy lifting to do. Uh, Fifty eight sixty is your pre market high. The fact that we backed off a buck sixty for that. Makes me think you might have missed a chance to sell this in the 58 handle, so you might have to lower your expectations. 
easier to find support here. Uh, you had three highs. Uh, this is called 50, well, yesterday's high, 55, 51, but there's three other highs in that area. So I think uh, on a dip, your short-term sellers, you start to find some buyers under 56 uh, for this one. Uh, wind got a pop off this as well. So we'll take a look at wind. China's helping out with this too, you know, uh, the China for rally. Sure. The, uh, yeah, yeah. Relentless this, China bet. Yeah. 104, you spike to. Uh, easy to give you support in this one. You had all these highs bunching up around 100. So I'll call 100 support. I think you have to pick something ahead that 104. Nothing on the monthlies. This thing hasn't been in triple digits since, wow, since November of 2021. But you know what? What about uh, DraftKings and Pan? Are they participating? Yep, look at that. Beginning of the year. Look at that draft. Same case. thing. Yeah. January. It was a simple trade. Just had to stick with it. It was hard to stick with. Like yeah, it was, it was hard. Shake out two, first... three days in. Mm -hmm. They made new that lows, a lot of them. Even the Meridian. Look and at a the Rivian that got shook. Been in. A lot That's of been a hard trade to stick you know? with. Yeah, I mean, they went to Take lows, out the lows, a lot of them. Gil Morales undercut and rally track. I mean, if you have any type of risk management or stops, you can stop out on all this stuff. The, you know what the, that also the, the shows The best me? way it's been is just to ignore all risk and just hold the stuff. And if you continue to hold, you've been doing well. Tricky market. The truth is also there is that, let's just be honest, you have to be able to handle a little bit of volatility in this type you of do. market. And yes. so that's what was it also. I think it's institutionals were able to hold on their positions on that pullback and then watch it rise up. If anything, they bought the dip on that pullback well, probably the for the January effect. And then that brought it up right back up there. So yeah. I think right now, one of the things that I've been seeing, uh, of course, is really high volatility. If you look at the hourly ranges, they're really big, right? And so this is the take your money and run type of market. We're seeing the buy the dip, sell the rip mentality. Just continue, come in and out, in and out. So I think at least for right now, that's just the mentality that we kind of have to stay in. Buy the dip, sell the rip until we see a change. All right, let's go to Chevron. Of course, big increase in the quarterly dividend from 142 to 151. Also announcing a $75 billion wow. stock repurchase program. Yes, you heard that right. $75 billion, team. That's it's not that's not a no small little feat right there. And also, I would say that this chart looked like it was trying to play catch up. Talked about that on stock market movers. You could see uh, Exxon Mobil trying to get to the 52 week high. I was like, Chevron's a little bit lagging behind this. If it can start pushing, if Exxon Mobil could get up there. Well, there you guys see it. Chevron came with the news today to push it higher. And I'm also going to be looking for Exxon probably to get through the 52 week high. What do you guys think? I've got a position in Exxon, so I'll limit my conversation. Uh, it, it's hedged, though. So I have a position on Exxon, so i got to limit my conversation mm -hmm. there. I don't have any position in Chevron. This buyback's incredible. That so, is a big buyback. Not, not, yeah, and like when that came out, I just lifted as much XLE as possible. Um, and I was <laughs> able to make a little bit of money there. Chevron was gone. The algos were all over that one. But there was somebody who made an XLE. Um, wow. I'm already out of the XLE, so I can talk about that. But. Wow, that's all I have to say is that's an incredible buyback. There's no doubt that these companies are minting money. We know that. I don't even know what to say. That's like, I, when's the last time we saw a buyback that big? I, I don't, don't even remember one. I, I 75 can't. billion? It's not like 7.5 billion. Have we ever had one that big? 
I would say Apple's had some big ones, but I don't know where that ranks up. And I usually yeah, I usually poo-poo those kind of things. I mean, are they buying it right now? But man, I got some. I got some one. information for it. What do you got right? for me? Like what always, do you got right? for me, The Mitch? largest total buybacks in the last 12 months it would include Apple, $91.3 billion. Yeah. Mm. Google, Alphabet, $54.5 billion. Meta, 53.2. Microsoft's 32.7. What did Meta do their buyback? I think it was at least within 12 months of I'm this just saying, did they article. Rebuy and this that was like in, 250? That was in August. or Yeah, August 21st when they did this article on uh, CNBC. So I'll give them a little bit of a shout out today. We don't give them much, but they, they did this through the article, largest total buybacks. Apple included there with 91.3. So there you have it. That's probably one that was a little bit bigger than this one. But still, pretty big up there. $75 billion for Chevron yeah. buyback. Uh, I'm just going to give you one number in Chevron for the entire day. And that, that's that all-time closing high of 186.55. And uh, that day you made a high above that. But let's say, you know, it, oh, actually I'm wrong. 188.05 is the all-time closing high. You didn't quite get there in the pre-market. Uh, just make sure you get followed through through this 186 because that's a, that's a big move. People are just, you know, sitting on uh, any kind of shorter-term profits. I mean, how can you turn down, uh, you know, a six and six and a quarter point gain uh, coming back on the downside. You might have to wait a while for this to get back down to the top of yesterday's range of one eighty point oh three triple D. You we got They're some numbers me to go wide. coming up. Yeah, go wide. Yeah, I mean we're still early. You don't got to go wide right now, Dennis. They're they're, they're a little early to the gun. In well, the they they jump. Two, they like two and a half minutes. Yeah, two, two and a half minutes, team. Do, we'll, do you we'll have some previews for us on this? I mean, yeah. of I, course. Our, our, our CPI is kind of taking it. I mean, it's old so, been about the CPI number, but what do you have for us? Three economic data numbers coming out that I think are very important. There's about, you know, a couple. There's like six or seven, but I'm just going to point to three that I think are important. Core durable goods month over month, December 2023. Estimate is negative 0.2. Prior 0.1. What does this show? Weakening in the economy. We'll see if that keeps showing up. Initial jobless claims. Estimate is 205,000. Prior was 190,000. We don't want to see, let's say, 180. We want to see this get back into the 200,000, closer towards that estimate of 205,000 to show that initial jobless claims are getting a little bit of a spike. GDP quarter over quarter reading from Q4. We'll get an estimate of 2.8% prior 3.2%. We'll see what happens here. Do we see a weakening in GDP? What will this affect? And will this change around the market, right? I know that everyone's focused on Tesla's earning this morning, but this, this could catalyst. change things up, right? Yep. This could this could flip things around before the open. It's going to chop things up. There is a buy the dip mentality under this market that is relentless, though. So I still think you're going to see. And remember, these things sometimes turn on in the numbers. Sometimes at 10 o'clock. I always like my 10 o'clock turns. But, I mean, the, the buy the dip mentality under this market is strong. I'll probably be buying the dip if we get a significant dip in this number. It's 50 seconds away. I will go wide. If we do get a dip, I probably will What Dennis will means by uh, going wide is that he has multiple positions and a lot of stocks. Also, he like just like makes some market in some stocks. So during a number like this, you know, with – there's just less liquidity. He pulls his liquidity too, and he go or he goes wider. You've so got to, or you get picked he, off by the yeah. algos. They're too yeah. fast. 
Yeah, they are fast. The news algos are too fast, and if you're sitting out there with an offer, they pick you off, and the stocks, you know, buck higher on you. So, or 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 if you're sitting out there with a bid and it's a bad number, they pick you off and stocks lower. It's just a lose lose for liquidity <laughs> providers on these numbers. That's why they go really wide. Ten seconds here. I'm gonna go on mute. Okay. Yeah. Pre market high fifty eight seventy five. There is some significance to that because Monday's high, the yearly high, the high of the rebound has been fifty six seventy five until that print first move. It is down here. Coming up on mid-range on the session. Mid-range on the session was 43 and a quarter. I don't know if you if you got your print, if you got uh if you got that yet. Uh for, uh yes, you went to 40 and a quarter. Um, so right now, a little bit of a negative reaction here. Yeah, initial jobless claims coming under coming in light at 186,000. Not what you want to see there for initial jobless claims for the bulls. Core durable goods here coming in at negative uh, 0.1 versus negative 0.2 estimate. So a little bit hotter than that. Still in the negative, so showing contraction. A GDP number coming in at 2.9% versus 2.6% estimate, showing a stronger uh, GDP than expected here. That shows what? Well, I don't know if still bad news is good news. Good news is bad news. For, in my thinking, this means that the Fed can continue raising rates and continue pushing forward to their initiative of 2%. What makes me think that they can't go 50 basis points? I know a lot of people are saying that it's just a quarter basis points for this meeting coming up. I'm saying 50 basis points is still on the table, especially when you're seeing the GDP hold so strong, the initial yeah. jobless claims down to 186,000. Prior was 192,000. We're going in the wrong direction. At least if you think that this is what we need to kind of break the uh, inflation out there. So, of course, some people can maybe battle with the soft landing narrative. And this is when it starts really getting confusing, team, because we've been on that kind of good news is bad news, bad news, good news. This could always flip around, right? Because if it's a soft landing, then this is good news, right? Yeah. This yeah, is where it gets is... a little bit confusing there. I will say that even for someone that's watching the markets every single day, I can tell you it gets hard there. We picked up some spy in the 40s. Um, just again, that's just a spike down blind, blindly buying the dip working. Um, I've already hedged off on that, but blindly, you know, it's a scalper stuff, but just blindly buying the dip seemed to work there. We're still very early here, chopping uh -huh. around to Mitch's point. Um, it's hard to interpret these this data you because you're right, you know, you, you throw in the whole soft landing narrative, and mm. you're like, well, this could be a soft landing. So, I mean, PC tomorrow, Mitch. Mm -hmm. big, that's going to be the big one bigger than cpi because that's the number that the fed likes to look at and it's going to be right before their meeting so if anything they're going to just focus on that number tomorrow more than the cpi because yeah. that's what they tell us and it's closest to their meeting right i mean it's a big number i wouldn't say it's bigger than cpi but it's the number two the number two number there like maybe they say they look at that number one i don't totally yeah agree, I, but, I i focus what they tell me dennis at least I focus on what they tell me. This until economy they tell me stays not hot, to. though. I mean, yeah. the economy stays hot despite what Microsoft is warning us about, despite what Salesforce is warning about, us about. There really hasn't been this market here where they're just coming in, the market, but there hasn't been this economy where people stop spending. They're still finding money. So I don't know when the gravy train ends. I feel like it's going to end here eventually, but I've been wrong. 
So you have to trade what you see, not trade what you think. And that's why I'm trading still from the bullish side. I'm still invested, bearish, but I'm trading bullish. And I can't argue with what I see. Yeah, there was a, there was a nice dip there uh, real quick into the 40-40 uh, handle. Got the 40-37. And, uh, Did I pick up the low? Yeah, well, that th that was for yeah. Well, not that one. That was the low in the. Uh, I can check the low in the spider there, uh, but that was a real quick dip. They bought it. Um, um, first things first. We were talking about you know chasing right, and I don't know how nimble people are. There was a little dip opportunity. So if you you know if you were long into that number, you took some heat. Uh, let's see where the spider on the one minute got down to. Three ninety nine twenty two. Oh, uh, so I was quite. A, I was in the 40s. I didn't yeah. see the 20s. Right. Looks like uh, that initial jobless claims Wait, is a nine job. month low at one hundred and eighty six thousand. So, I mean, jobs are hanging in there. Durable even though we're seeing all these point six percent, Mitch. Wow. Yeah. I, again, I mean, we're on this stuck. like avoid recession market here now. So when the jobs are, or when when the numbers are a little bit hot. It actually isn't that bad of a thing, like GDP 2.9%. Yes. The market's kind of switching its narrative to like, let's go cheer for this soft landing. They think the Fed's done. They think the Fed is ending, you know, and it's going to be one and done or, you know, we got a couple more slight raises and that's it. And if we can keep going and humming along at this, the market thinks that we got the soft landing possibility. And I guess I've got to accept it. I don't want to hey. accept it. I want to go full on rah-rah bearish, but... I can't when they keep buying the dips like this. They got to give some time for those, you know, the the massive hikes to, you know, to filter through. I know, Mitch, you're, you're calling for like another half or whatever. But, uh, you know, when we had um, Blue Putnam on months and months ago, he said, you know, these effects, you know, we're all like on pins and needles for the CPI number. He said it takes months, right? Yeah. Two, three months, four or yes. five months to uh uh, to do it, you know, to filter through the system. <laughs> so far, it doesn't, you know, as far as crushing the economy and crushing employment, that's 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 not happening. Um, I will just on the upside here. I know that we had the dip. One thing I'd like to concentrate on is like where we were before the actual number came out, and uh, the last print before was fifty-one and a quarter. So. Um, if uh you know if you get uh if you get the uh you know a rally back over fifty one and a quarter let's shoot for the pre market high, uh and at, which has been the high of the move and the high of the week high of the year whatever you want to call it so right now bulls still in control I big time in control yeah I mean they didn't even let it dip to like if we got this number in a, and I think you know we got this number two months ago I think the market be getting slammed on it but we got this relentless Change. by the dip. We've got a change of sentiment that they're cheering for a soft landing now. So they think economic data, when it comes in a little bit better than expected, is actually a good thing now, which is normal markets. Joel well, and Mitch, this yeah, is normal. Yeah. I don't know about that. That's what I'm questioning now. That's that's the hard part. And I think that today you might see that flip of narrative, right? Where good news starts becoming good news. Bad news is becoming bad news again. That's what you need to I, ask I think yourself, we've been seeing that. Yeah, where good news is good news, bad news is bad news. I think we have been seeing that. Yeah. And, and Tricky that's, market to call. That's what I'm I, saying. I'm just going to go back mean... Impossible to call at a week out. Yeah. It Re really is. Impossible. Let's just call it what it is. Yeah. This market is awesome to day trade. It's been a very good month again for day trading. 
you know, you go with the momentum, you go with what's going, the January effect worked, the relationships are still working. But you're trying to call where we're going to be a week from now? I have no clue. Where are we going to be a month from now? I really have no clue. I feel like we're going to be lower six months from now, but I might be wrong there too. So it's a really, really, really hard market to call. And you know what? If you're trading and you're just reading what's in front of you, you don't have to call the market. Everybody thinks I have to make calls to make money in the market. Just trade what's in front of you. Trade the relationships. You know, you can visualize that in all likelihood, the dips are getting bought. I mean, it's stupid, blind, dumb trading, but that's what's working right now. Look, we just got a dip of eight, nine S&P points. They can't More, stop yep. themselves, Joel. They've it already bought so it right good. back up. Yep. Back you can't argue that. with that. If you're bearish, I don't care if you're bearish. You've got to be trading bullish right now. Because right. after yesterday, after yesterday, the bulls, bulls dug in complete they, they, yeah, control. They, they said, yep, okay, take us under 3,900. Uh, and also, I'm just bringing up the TLT in, in, uh, in the bond market. And, I mean, that's telling you that, you know, they rate, look at that. That thing bottomed in late October, right? I'm looking at the 30-year bond here. I mean, they're... Uh, you know, it's been quiet up here, kind of consolidating, but you know, the bond market, they kind of told you the Fed got ahead of itself. October, we had the, the December dip, but uh, is Raggy in there? Do we have Raggy yeah, in the background? Let's go yeah, ahead, let's, let's talk Raggy, about this. Yeah, let's talk about this with our guests. Raggy Horner, Managing Director at Futures at Simpler Trading. Welcome to the show. How are we doing? We're doing good. Great to see you guys. Looking at this uh, this number and kind of interesting contrast here. I'm looking at the uh, the bonds moving lower in response to that number. And then I see Fed Fund Futures just almost 100% likelihood of reaching that four and a half to four and three quarters level, which we could argue between four and three quarters to 5% and that five to five and a quarter on Fed fund futures. That's our terminal rate. And just like you guys were talking about earlier, I think the market, right? Investors, traders are thinking we know what they're doing, which is we're going to stop at this level by March or May. And then the cuts start becoming just a conversation by November. It's wild. Why do they cut though, Raggy? If the economy stays strong, what is the reason to actually pivot and start cutting? Why? I don't know that they have to. I think that Fed fund futures are saying that they could. I mean, it's a 35% uh, possibility that they cut. It's actually 28% that they hold if we take a look at the Fed fund futures. So not something they have to do, but they could. Let's say come you know six months from now, the R word is being thrown around and recession is the conversation. They've rearmed, right? They've got they've got another, you know, bazooka once again that they can say, well, recession's here, but we can start cutting rates, which is why I'm not concerned about recession from a trading perspective. So because even if we go into recession, there's so many bullets to take us out of the recession. And that's a fantastic point. I mean, they've never had bullets like this in years. You know, like we're sitting up here, they can do a half point. Just think about how many bullets they used during COVID. And, you know, and we were like, cut the rates, cut the rates. I mean, now they have so many, like they are loaded right up with an armory here. So, I mean, that's a fantastic point too, that even if the economy starts to show signs of recession, the Fed can keep the keep it going and the Fed could turn on our sides. How do we get the Fed on our side? How do we get them to actually, you know, say, okay, we're going to stop raising despite a strong economy. 
Is that possible? I think they don't have to say anything. I think we we're more educated, I think, as traders and investors, even on Main Street than we were before. We're bombarded with more information. I think when we look at those target rate probabilities, even if folks watching television, right? I'm not going to say our group here, we're much more in tune with the nuances, but even folks watching TV are going to hear that rates are going to peak. This is the terminal rate. This is where rates are going. I think bond, y'all were talking about bonds. Bonds are front running this conversation. You look at bonds trying to front run this by six to eight months. We're already seeing lower yields. So that's calibrated into the market, whether folks understand it or not. We do. We can use this information to, to arm ourselves and make better decisions. But I don't think they need to say anything. Uh, and, and, and I'll give Kapowell some credit. They've, they've only been talking hawkishly when those Fed fund futures start looking like a sub 5% terminal rate. And then they just sort of walk us back up. So there's a nice give and take there on maybe that target rate probability, maybe those Fed fund futures being this two-way radio that we're talking to the Fed, but then the Fed's talking back. And that's the way I've been seeing it. Easy to measure. When So when did uh, uh, you say, according to the Fed funds rate, when did, when did you say that they, not that they're going to, but when did you say they, they could? How far out was that looking? So peaking in March, possibly, uh-huh. with a... 475 to 5% or 5% to five and a quarter, which has been pretty much where we've expected rates to be on and off for six to eight months. But the cuts are a conversation that we could start as early as November. Not probable, but again, just possible. I'm just, and I've kind of been in this camp for a while. I, I think just the stabilization of rates is so much more important than, you know, than relentless raising of rates. And also, you know, we, I think the Fed would have started earlier, uh, a little thing, the pandemic kind of, uh, you know, interfered with that, right? And they had to pump a bunch of money. So I'm not, I think, you know, there's a lot of people there. I'm not on that pivot. I'm just looking for, I think, the stabilization of rates. And you're at, you can get some uh, decent returns on your money if inflation comes out. I heard this guy from, uh, uh, from, um, Starwood, did you hear him on uh, uh, CNBC? He said he thought inflation was going to be negative by June. Negative by June. I think that's a little bit, you know, he just thinks that, that the Fed is just way overdone. That's a little optim- optimistic. But I I think it's more the stabilization of rates, you know, maybe, you know, bounce around in this, you know, three and a half, four and a half, five and a half percent range for a long time. I just don't, I mean, I think it's going to take a lot of, a real major slowdown for the Fed to even considering uh, uh, doing it. But I just wanted to talk to you about the overall market here because uh, when we had you on at the end of the year, you know, you were trying, you know, there was a couple key points that you had that you wanted to see in the market for the turn. And we were just talking, the growth turn was, you know, like Tesla made a new low three or four days. How, do, you know, how did you, that little shake out there, I guess maybe because we look at the markets all the time and we see these shakeouts. How, how did you manage the, that that first week in January and to stick with your original plan? The first week of January, oh, it was tough. It was tough. My, th- my thinking is as long as I'm not overtrading that first week of January, as long as I'm focusing on risk management and I am thinking about this is bottom picking season. I think that's what we might have touched on January, February. It's bottom picking season. Tesla is not as important to me for the broader market reflection as, you know, Amazon, Google, 
Microsoft, Apple. It's there, but it can do its own thing. It's it's a bit of a wild card for many, many reasons. The thing that I'm going to see and that I wanted to see was that the euro is moving higher, which means the dollar is moving lower. It's one of the easiest and most accessible ways to measure dollar movement. That euro is in an uptrend. Uh, my 60 futures traders, FXE ETF, keep an eye on that, right? And then I see ZB breaking the downtrend and trying to climb higher. TLT trying to climb higher. So now I have weak dollar as reflected in the strong euro. I've got lower yields as reflected in a kind of ugly grind higher, but a grind higher nonetheless. And in the long bond, even the notes are starting to, to come on. All right. Then I start looking at what else could be indicating some optimism. Copper's in an uptrend, right? Gold's in an uptrend. So gold telling me that real yields are narrowing. Real yields are what? The nominal yield of a bond minus the rate of inflation. So gold's in that great uptrend. Copper's joining it. If I look at all the evidence, and again, Dennis said it so perfectly, trade what you see, right? So I don't want to think of, you know, who cares what Raggy thinks? I'm going to talk about what I see. I get trapped into that, right? So trade what you see. And if I look at the evidence in these really important markets, it's hard not to be a bull. And this isn't something that snuck up on us. It's been just slowly, slowly organizing and clarifying for a few months now. So I'm still in the same page as I was when we spoke last, which was great, which is, hey, this is the Federal Reserve messaging. This is where we're going. This is as bad as it gets. Let's get, let's turn the page. It's hard to do that. And I mean, I've probably been able to do it because I've been trading 23 years and I can trade from the long side, even though I'm overall bearish. How do you actually, first of all, just stop, you know, thinking, you know, and then just trade what you see? Go in more detail how you actually can implement that. Because I think the majority of traders very much struggle with that. They get an overall opinion and then they can't break that opinion and they think they're eventually going to be right. I think I'm eventually going to be right on the bearish side too. But right now I cannot be short stocks because the market's telling me not to do that. So how do you separate it? How do you separate opinion from trading? You know, my partner here in the office, she's got a great thing that we talk about from time to time. It's one line and it stings. It's like salt in a wound. How's that working out for you? She'll tell me that all the time. I've got this position on her. I've got this idea. How's that working out for you? And boy, it's it's tough. But then I think to myself, how do I measure myself? PL. Is this working? Is it making me money or not? Yeah. It's just that binary. So the ego wants to be right. The trader in me wants to make money. And if I just measure myself once a week, once a month, so once a week, I'll measure myself as a day trader. I'll look at five, four or five days of trading and say, on Friday or Saturday morning, I'm sitting down with a with a cup of coffee and I ask myself, how's that working out for you? And that's the differentiating factor for me. What I want to see, who cares? What am I seeing? What is working? And that's when you said, exactly, trade what you see. And I think the most difficult thing is, and this is something I taught myself over the years. You know, we've been trading both for decades now. The market's a front-running machine, bonds especially. But we're not thinking about tomorrow, unless it's earnings. But we're not thinking about tomorrow. We're thinking three months, six months, a year from now. So everything operates trying to look around the corner. And I think the only way we can look around the corner is measure as best we can what we think the Federal Reserve is going to do, which is really the only macro to speak of. You know, why do we look at growth? The Federal Reserve does. Why do we look at inflation? You know, if you think about what Mitch, you said it that um, what are they telling me? That's all I that's all I care. 
because yeah. what they're telling us is policy. Policy is going to move the market even before they move rates. So I'm with you 100% there. But at the end of the day, we measure ourselves with the points on the board. And for the, us, it's dollars. So I think we get pretty immediate feedback. I love one, the question. One question that I have and kind of a follow on that right now, we've just recently started doing a little bit more of a book club. Right now we're going through Trading in the Zone by Mark Douglas. But I wanted to ask you, Ragi, what kind of book suggestions you have for maybe skills like we just talked about? Any any suggestions? And we see that great book collection behind you. Uh, this is just a background on Zoom. No, I'm kidding. No, I'm yeah. gonna- <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I've really not been reading trading books, probably consistently the last 20 years. Most of what's on the bookshelf right now mm-hmm. are things like willpower doesn't work mindset. Um, a new one's 10x is easier than 2x. That's something that I'm really diving into. And I think a lot of traders, it's a tough thing, but it definitely is a mindset shift. We think about 100% of what we're doing. The 80-20% works. The Pareto principle is true in everything. What is the 80% of these habits of dogma, of fear that we can't let go and the 20% of things that are working? We have to be willing to get rid of that 80% and go all in on the 20 that's making us money. That's how we 10X. And it's actually easier to 10X, but it requires letting that 80% go. Doubling is what? Hustle more do more work, do more effort. And you can 2X yourself as a trader. You can 2X yourself as a human. But to really 10X as a trader, we have to be brutal about what is this dogma that I won't let go? Why do I think that bonds can't climb and equities can't climb together? You know, why do I think that gold is a safe haven when it's really not? Those are things that are hard to let go. And I think what we can, that mind mind shift change is easy. Raji, just a uh, you know, quick question here um, as far as, you know, turns in the market. And obviously we had this uh, this January effect uh, you know, rolling, you know, continuing into the later part of the month. And, you know, everyone is just the way the market reacted and, you know, these where these growth stocks were in 2022. How do you, do you, do you try and come up with, with targets on the upside or do you just try and you know, have a metal stop, move things up, let the market take you out on the downside because, you know, catching turns obviously is, you know, a a lot of way to capture profits, but a a lot of times a good sale one day, three days later, it looks like a horrible sale. Structure for me dictates strategy and strategy dictates the indicators I'm going to use. So if I can prioritize those uptrends, whether that's a five minute chart, one hour chart, daily chart, weekly chart, I prioritize those uptrends. Uptrends are where buy the dip works. What's a dip? It's a retracement. It's a mean reversion. So I think a lot of the things that have turned into memes over the years, they work because they work for 100 years. So buy the dip in uptrends. Buying the dip in gold has been amazing. I think buy the dip in copper is going to continue to work. Then I think to myself, all right, what's my time horizon? And I think right now, shortening the time horizon, to your point, is going to make a lot of sense. You know, what works today, three days later, seems like the dumbest thing ever. So why not say, step away from expecting a daily time frame to trend like it did in 2020 or the first half of 2021 and say, hey, what can I do on a one hour chart? Yes, it's short, but it's not so inaccessibly short that we're suddenly day trading and having to stare at the charts all day. We can free ourselves to live our lives and look at a one hour chart. And that's where I'm finding a happy medium 
which is that time horizon of one to three, maybe a few more days, and then resetting my opinion, fresh eyes and saying, okay, is what I saw then still happening now? So I'm just basically going back and checking, right? And, and observing every three to five days. And that's been working. Well, thank you for joining us. Like always, Raggy Horner, Managing Director of Futures at Simpler Trading. And definitely, how's that working out for you? Nice quote that we'll stick around with today. Appreciate it. Have a good one, Raggy. Thanks, guys. Take care. All right. Talk to you again soon. S&P Futures creeping up to the highs yeah. of the session here. Yeah. Uh, that was a dip. We called it. Is there? By the dip. Wasn't there know. for long. Well, it was like, yeah. a, I mean. <laughs> like, oh, under uh, 4040, that looks like a good buy. <laughs> Unless you had your order out there, you didn't get that, a good buy here. That's why it was hard reading the numbers, right? Because I didn't know to tell you guys if good news is good news and bad news was bad news Changed? anymore. And that, and that can easily bad change, Bad news is right? good news and good news is good news. Mitch, we're back <laughs> into that market oh, here again. Oh, is that how it's working That's again? how it's going down right now. Bad news is good news and good news is good news. Because if it's bad news, they buy the dip. And it's good news, they just go. So, I mean, that's the market we're in right now. Yep. So, again, you've got to separate it right now. So, what was working in 2023 for the most part isn't working as well. Or what was working in 2022 isn't working as well in 2023. There has been separation here. There's certain stocks that, you know, like IBM, like I said, I would not buy the dip in this thing for the simple reason is that that's thrown in the value bucket. I'm not buying value stocks on dips right now because the market's not buying value stocks. The drugs are all in the value bucket. They're not getting bought on the dip right now. It's, you know, complete separation, complete mirrored from where we were in 2022. Again, there's some outliers. Energy is still relentlessly getting bought. So there has been outliers, but what's really making the money here is the beaten down growth names. And right. now, uh, what about the, the Kathy, right? Kathy's looking good. Well, she's beating down growth names. It's her. Those are the <laughs> kind of stocks you want right now. Look at her fund. That's the stuff you're buying on dips right now. Yeah. That's the stuff in. they were buying yesterday. That's the stuff that's working. So is the Kathy low in? We don't. Again, impossible to predict the market even a week yeah, out, let true. alone a month out or six months out or a year out. Who knows? All new information will come in. You know, we don't know how the war in Ukraine is going to go. We don't know China. So we don't know anything, you know. So no point in predicting that far out. Again, you, it's fun to do. Um, it's fun to be right. Like Raggy says, my ego wants me to be right. It's about ego. But you know what? The bills, you know, putting bread on the table is about making money. Now, right now, you're not making money shorting stocks. What about uh, the... Um... Uh, mobile eye here they had some good earnings i hate to bring that stock up because we didn't get any of that but uh just want to so mad about that still yeah yeah i guess we could have just went out and bought it here but uh uh mobile eye uh getting a nice pop off its numbers uh real quick do we what we did not do any of the uh airline earnings did uh do we want to do any of those or not well, we already knew the aal numbers they had yes. already preliminary numbers that already come out so we can do them all together so you got Love is disappointed. JetBlue is down as well. AL is up. We already knew their numbers. Um, ALK is trading slightly down. So we had four report this morning. Was there any others, Mitch? Uh, no, I think that's all for this morning. Yeah, but, so I mean, they're in favor right now. I mean, just look at the charts. I would I would say they're in favor right now. Look I think at UAL. So. Look yeah. how UAL came down for yeah. just about one day, came into that gap, and it's right back up. 
Yeah, that dip was a buy because those earnings were just so good. And they're talking about making 10 bucks a share. And like the market was calling the bluff. And we honestly just should have turned around and just bought it anyways. It went from mm-hmm. 55 that morning that earnings down to 46 like- the next day. That was a hell of a dip to buy. So Raggy's right. Stocks are trending higher. Again, you've got it depends on your time frame. I'd say the growth stocks are all starting starting to turn and trend higher too. So, you know, you can argue oh, overall, if you look at a one year chart, these are still in overall downtrends. But if you look since January, they're definitely all in uptrends. So it depends on your time horizon as well. Short term, they're all in uptrends, the growth. This uh, the the best looking chart here for me is uh <clears throat> look at this AAL four mm-hmm. five days in a row. 16 to 1650. Now you got a little, you spiked over 17. If the bulls can uh, keep control of the stock and keep it bid at 1650, then let's just work our way up. Let me see what the close was. Well, that day, uh, we've had a couple closes over 17. So let's see, it was 1708. It's a high close in the move, but you've had, uh, you know, you had the the big move uh, over 17 to 1750. You had the pullback. The good support is 16. Let's see if you could hold 1650 uh, for AAL. All right. Now we'll see what happens on Amazon. Will we get to 100? I see you guys in the chat talking about it. Holy. Talk it looked it. like We're hell close. yesterday. I even said it. It looked bad yesterday talking against my wife's book. And they just turned around and they bought the hell out of it. Like, it's amazing how quickly everything changes. It looked like the Microsoft numbers were going to put, uh, you know, it was going to be a really bad day for the markets. The guidance was not good for Microsoft. They warned basically across the board, you know, what you consider a warning, but they basically were warning across the board in a nice way. And they just turned around. As soon as they started buying that Microsoft dip, they bought all the rest of them too. So, yeah, it looks like it was a bear trap, you know, like it looks like they got caught yesterday. And it looks like, um, you know, Amazon's eventually maybe going to get to 100 too. And I mean, these stocks are so beat up. So, yes, the valuation's still high, but we know Amazon's always invested for growth and they probably could make more money if they really wanted to. They just keep dumping it back into the company. But 180 down to 80. I don't know if anybody thought it was going to get that ugly. I didn't think it was going to get that ugly. I thought when it, I thought it was going to sell off and I had sold my stock whatever it was, $3,200. So I don't know. You got to do the 20 for one reverse on that to figure out what that price was. But it's probably around like 160-ish. And I rebought, you know, I'm in my wife's portfolio at 110 because I thought that was enough. Went down to 80. So some of these stocks are just massively overshot. These are good companies. Disney, same story. Have any business being at 85? If we were going into a hard recession, maybe, but I mean, I at a, a certain point the in stream. time. Yeah, the streaming is You get down really... like seven, eight-year lows on Disney. What do you want? Yeah. I mean, yeah, and again, everybody good. hated me when I was buying that. And obviously, I was early on that one, too. And I'm usually early. But some of these have worked out. So I, I don't know. It's a really tough environment, though. I think you've got to be looking at your overall portfolio. You want to have some stocks. You want to have some cash. Because I don't think anybody can predict where we're going to be six months from now. All right. Uh, I'm going to just wrap it up here. Uh, your pre-market high, we're bumping up against it. 58.75, former high of the move that was made on Monday at 56.75. You pull up the S&Ps here, and, and I like to give you guys resistance, but when there's no resistance in sight, there's no resistance. Your next daily high, which would uh, uh, fit into the nine-day average trading range, is 40, 90, 75. Maybe that's a little bit uh, lofty on the upside, but uh, that would be your next daily high. 
And uh, just taught we were talking about Tesla, and it's still chugging, man. It is up at the highs of the pre-market sessions. So, and we remember knows? what we said too, Joel. Tesla is your driver for all those beaten down growth names. So, what do you think is going to be up today? You're going to have all those beaten down growth names. That is what's going to be strong. It doesn't even have to be an EV. Just anything Kathy style. It's when you're seeing Tesla rally nine percent. You're thinking all those beaten down growth names again. And some of them are barely up here right now. Some of them are only up like 1% or less this morning. Some of these stocks end up being up 3 4 5% here today if Tesla holds on to these gains. So there's still an opportunity in some of these names. Maybe some of the EV ones like Rivian's trading up, I think, 3 or 4%. That's kind of a little bit too far to chase it today. But there's a lot of these names, these growthy names, what, what that about- are barely up here this morning. What about so, one that we uh, brought up earlier in the week, uh, Overstock? Where's that? It's up a hmm. buck. It's up twenty cents. I mean, yeah, you're exactly right. A stock Stocks like, like this, a stock like this could uh, go today. Like it's, yep. it, it's barely up over what the S and P's are up. So yeah, I have no position in that. But you know, they're, they're, look through your filters right now. Look mm-hmm. at what's only trading up. If it's growthy and it's trading up under one percent, it's probably not trading up enough this morning. So just keep that in mind. Keep your eye on the Tesla driver. We got 160 in the crosshairs. So uh, great information today as always. And uh, we'll check in with you guys later on. Have a, Everyone have a good day. All right. I tried to bring in one there, Jim. And uh, like always, got to do the hard work now. Start looking, right? Start doing the digging. That's what it's all about. Now that yeah. we know that at least the GDP number and economic data didn't just ruin the tape today. If anything... Looks like they're going to support the soft landing tape, right? And I think that that's what you need to start kind of uh, filtering into baskets, right? There's multiple baskets that can happen now, right? I think that there's the basket of the soft landing, right? Start throwing some stuff in there. Start thinking the mentality of that. Then there's the basket of kind of recession concerns, right? I don't know if you want to make do with that. And then, of course, there is the a little bit of difference, right? The economy weakening on the left-hand side. I don't see that. I don't see the I don't see the economy weakening. I don't see the labor market weakening. So it's going to be hard to even get into that recession basket if that's not happening either, it, right? I, 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 my thoughts in my head tell me what the hell is going on. That's what is telling me in my head. So again, that's why I'm obviously torn. You know, every time we pull back, I think, okay, well, this is the start of it. But it's just, you know, like the numbers, you know, we keep getting strong numbers. It's like I have to as a trader be able to trade what's in front of me like Rogi said and stop thinking about your opinion. Stop thinking about recession. Trade what's in front of you. You don't have to invest. You don't have to go in here and load up your long-term portfolio. You can stay in cash and you're getting paid for cash, 5.1%. Um, I had my banker call me yesterday. You can tie up on GICs, which is, you know, on, on Terrio GICs. Guaranteed on, on Bank of Canada, um, 5.33, one year out. 5.33 right now you can get me. So I'm like, that's not bad. That's not bad, 5.33. That's mm-hmm. like, you know, we were getting like 1% on these things a year ago. Now you're getting 5.33. So that's not bad. So I think you want to have a little bit of cash, maybe tying up at 5%. You want to have a little bit of stocks in case the soft landing does happen. And like I said, I'm about half and half right now. I'm about half cash, sitting around 5 4 5%. And I'm about half stocks. And, you know, maybe I should be in the long-term portfolio all in. But I tell you, in the trading portfolio, I'm long stocks. I'm making money in the trading portfolio because that is what it's telling me to do. Yes, I trade market neutral. But I said to you guys on the show this morning, I'm biased long right now. So I'm biased a little bit leaning long. And, you know, I do have some swing longs on as well. And those are doing very well. It's been a good 
month for swing longs. First good month for swing longs in a long time. I mean, it's been mm-hmm. a tough, you know, October really is when it started. Swing longs started to work. But I mean, it was a really tough year. You know, just ask Christian. You know, it was a tough year for swing longs. You got to be able to swing both ways. But there's a few of those working right now, too. So trade what's in front of you. Right now, bulls are in control. Bulls are in control for the time being. And I know there's going to be questions like Duncan Day bringing in here. So what does Powell do when the economy isn't slowing? Well, these are all questions that you can start asking yourselves. And we'll be here to discuss with you guys, like always. I mentioned it earlier today. Uh, Definitely, Dennis, have a good day. But I wanted to mention it again, team. We're not here to give you guys a 100% outlook of what's going to happen. We're, I'm sorry, we're not Miss Cleo, um, but we're here to go ahead and tell you guys what we see, right? And I think a lot of that time, you're going to see Dennis being what? Flexible, flexible. And a lot of that, why? Because he's in the markets every single day, almost every waking second, but uh, he, he takes a little break. But that's what it's all about. And I think one of the major things that we need to always keep in mind is that we need to be flexible right? We're never going to give it to you the 100%. We can't. We don't know what's going to come next, right? And you don't need to know what's going to come next to make money. One of the biggest quotes from trading in the zone, right? And the big part of that is what? Just trade what you see. That's what Dennis is trying to tell you right now, right? As much as his ego might be saying to the short side, as much as my ego might be in the bear side, right? We always got to be flexible and trade what we see and there's always that quote, right? Price doesn't lie. And a lot of that is that the truth is price is, price is moving up. Price is moving up. You can want to fight it all you want, but that's the truth, right? I think that that's what we need to be looking at right now. Of course, this can always change. And you guys are seeing the narrative seem to change right now towards more soft landing. And for a while, if you go back, you can ask economists six months ago, just look at some of their interviews. They would have told you soft landing. Yeah, that's out the window. That's never going to happen. That just goes to show you, even people with master degrees that have been at this for 20, 30 years, they're still going to get it wrong. What do we need to be doing as investors is doing our own research, being flexible, and most paying attention to the price action. All right, that's going to do it for me today, pre-market prep. You have a good one, Dennis. Look at my man. He's at work. You have a good one, my friend. All right, we're going to get you over now to live trading. Come and check out what we trade today. Yesterday was able to get a slight short on Apple. It's a battle, right? We'll see what happens today. Do we take some longs? Do we start getting the boost back up? Are we going to 410? Who knows? Find out all on live trading coming up next. And of course, if you guys want to join the book club, we have a lot of members joining up. As of recently, we just increased about 50%. Why? Well, because you guys want to come and check out what we're learning on the book club. So I want you guys to go ahead and check it out. Check out right now, Trading in the Zone. We're going to go through Chapter 2 and Chapter 3 this Sunday, 9 a.m. Eastern. You don't want to miss that. And stay tuned for an email today. You guys that joined the book club will be getting your email today. So you guys can RSVP and join the conversation. Yes, I said it. Join the conversation you guys get to talk with me. We'll go through questions. We got Christopher Udall that's joining us also from 10 Minute Stock Trader. Don't miss it, team. I'll see you guys on Sunday. And like always, up next, live trading. Hit the thumbs up. Let's keep going right here on Benzinga.